Sometimes I make mistakes. Little mistakes when I'm like editing or writing a script. Sure. And I brought this up on Twitter once and no one, I think like one or two people could understand it and everyone else was like, I've literally never had this issue. <laughs> You're an idiot. You've ne- never. They've never made a mistake in a writing or yeah. editing thing. Well, it's not that. It's how I respond to the mistake. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I make a mistake and then I'll make it again. So, like, I will mistype a word. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say instead of writing the word capitalism, I wrote the word bullion. Okay. Mm. And then I delete the mistake. And then I write it out, and it's bullying again. And sometimes you fuck up, you redo it, and then you make the same mistake. Well, sometimes you're thinking too hard about the mistake, and then you make the mistake. Yeah, or like sometimes I might like click on something. Yeah. To drag it somewhere, and I'll drag it in the wrong place. Then I'll do it again, and I'll drag it in the wrong place again. I spent several minutes the other day trying to talk about Celeste coming out like the other year and every time I tried to say Celeste I ended up saying Cadence of Hyrule well, there you go you see and I was talking about how how I played it like you know oh I know it was that that January back in 2018 because of all the snow and and my fiance's there like no that was this year in the summer and I'm like no it was in the winter the year before oh fuck I've, I've said the, the wrong game there name like go. 12 times haven't I so that's that's the core. This is the bit that people on Twitter didn't understand. That's the core of my problem. Is I'll make a mistake. I'll try and fix it. I'll make the same mistake. And then a voice in my head says, what if this is your life now? <laughs> because it's improbable, but laws of probability say it's possible that I could keep making the mistake. I mean, probability is only like a rough guide. The number of fucking shiny Pokemon I found in the last year should be... It's highly improbable, but it happened. Improbable things can happen. Well, that's it. You might, you might just get that word wrong forever now. The law of shiny Pokemon says that if I misspell capitalism as bullion once, I could do it every single time. Yeah. And that when I'm editing a video and I drag and drop something in the wrong place and then I drag and drop it in the wrong place again... There's a little voice that says, what if that happens a third time, mate? And then a fourth. It could happen. It could happen. You could be here forever until you're a skeleton trying to do it. If, if you have infinite monkeys on infinite typewriters, they'll eventually write Shakespeare, but they will also eventually make the same mistake for infinity. Yeah. That's a misconception, Yeah, actually, the monkey and the typewriter thing. It's possible that with infinite typewriters and infinite monkeys... They could write the complete works of Shakespeare. It's also possible with infinite monkeys and infinite typewriters that every single monkey will write us. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it, there's there's an equal probability that they'll write Shakespeare as they will the collected works of Tom Clancy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I would watch a Twitch channel that was like Twitch plays Pokemon, but it's which gets written by the infinite monkey typewriters first. Tom Clancy or Shakespeare. Mm. I would watch that race. Twitch writes Clancy. Yeah, I would watch that race. <laughs> I would. I would watch tw- Twitch writes Clancy. <laughs> anyway, that's my that's my f- fear of the day. We'll have another one next week, and it'll just be of the day, so you won't even know what to be afraid of on the other days of the week. <laughs> there were six other days, and you yeah. you're you get that. That's a bonus fear. 
is not knowing the other things that you're supposed to be afraid of. Yeah, exactly. What you should really be afraid of is how li- few of the fears you actually know about. That's it. That's the scariest thing of all. That and the fact that you might make the same mistake forever. Yeah. They say there's nothing to fear but fear itself. They didn't know about spiders when they said that. <laughs> Uh, and you'd think they would. Spiders have been around a while. Yeah. Spiders have been around longer than iPhones. Really? Oh, I didn't know there was anything before iPhones. Seeing as how I'm a millennial glued to mine forever. Can't imagine life without yeah. it. Oh. As a millennial, you are literally 15 years old. And we've all stayed. All millennials have stayed 15 year, years old forever. And they only know about iPhones, Justin Bieber, and collagen. I'm I'm a millennial. So literally, if you took a picture of me with a with a film camera, not a not a phone camera, obviously, you would see my soul being sucked into the phone, like yeah. in one of those caricature comics in the newspapers. That's it. Millennials believe that old cameras can steal their souls, and that if a woman floats in the water, she's a witch. <laughs> po- Pokemon Go, more like Pokemon. Go get a job in this economy, millennials. Yeah, go get a job. Go get a job in this economy, right? Go get one job and try and pay your rent with it. <laughs> Just one. There's a challenge to millennials. Just one. Just one. You're only allowed one job, millennials, because you... Yeah. Yeah. That, that's how it worked back in my day. You got one job and it paid your bills so that you could support a wife and your three kids and your mortgage. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with all of these kids these days wanting to have multiple jobs? It makes no yeah. sense to me. It's these liberal arts students on their college campuses thinking, <laughs> I need more than one job because I'm entitled. I could do anything. I'm a liberal arts major. And really, if if they're holding down two jobs, why is the golfing and the diamond industry suffering? If you've got two jobs in today's economy, clearly you can afford diamonds. That's how it works. That's how it worked in my day. I think if you had half a job back in your day, you could probably get, you know, you could buy the golf course. Give me 50 bucks and I've got a room at Trump Tower. I blame the education system. I think we should just dispense of the entire Department of Education because clearly they've screwed this up for all of us. Yeah, Yeah. I think that the government should take back its $100 budget for education and put it towards something like tanks or missiles. Give it back to the taxpayer. Let's just cut out the middleman. None of these millennials would exist without our DNA. Let's rip the DNA right back out of them. Put it in us. We'll get young again. We'll have young DNA. You there, boy. I'm going to take all your DNA out and stuff it back up my knob. (laughs) What would someone look like without DNA? (laughs) What would... Would they just... I mean... DNA makes all of it, doesn't it? Or would there be, like, some hair? Well, it, it, it organises all of it at any rate. Would they just collapse yeah. into a clump of cells? They just look like something from Terrorvision. I, I don't know why you are... You, you asked, you know, no DNA, and my brain went to no bones. They're just a floppy yeah. pile on the floor. That's it. I mean, whenever I think of a body having nothing in it, you should always think about... My brother and his friends... Play, like my brother and his wife and their friend Louis, my mutual friend Louis, play a game called You've Got No Skeleton. <laughs> and the aim of the game is, is when you're with your friends, you point at one of them and yell, you've got no skeleton, and they immediately <laughs> have to flop on the floor. Now, oh. the other day, and this just shows you how mercilessly bored m- my family gets. The other day, my brother's wife, Georgia and Louis, are in one room, 
My brother's in the kitchen. They decide to yell out at him, you've got no skeleton. And then he didn't come back to flop in front of him or anything. Because he'd done it there. Because ten minutes later they went into the kitchen and he was lying there. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Yeah. It sounds like a great game. It does. Uh, it, it reminds me of my favourite one that um that I've, I've, I've seen done with groups of friends before. Uh, where you just have to point at someone and shout, shout Shatner. And then whatever they're doing they have to dramatically overact and... and describe what they're doing in the Shatner voice. That's a good one. That's a good one yeah, that doesn't like that. require throwing yourself on the floor. Yeah, safer. Although it could. It could. You're not forced to throw yourself on the floor for Shatner. No. I play a game called Jacob's Ladder. I invented this game years ago, where when I'm in a car, and this is specifically why I don't drive, so I can play Jacob's Ladder, um, I'll poke my head out the passenger side of the window, <laughs> pull my lips back over, like up from my teeth so they're all like pointing out and then I'll just wobble my head backwards and forwards while staring at other drivers <laughs> to give them a fun Jacob's Ladder experience when they're on their way to work I mean it gives them a fun story to talk about when they get into the office yeah they're like they're like Marjorie you'll never guess what I got Jacob's Laddered on the way to work oh. and she's gonna be like holy crap I bet that was brilliant and they said yep that Jim Sterling's a mastermind <laughs> Uh, how's everyone doing this week? We 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 here for that position that that video games are great or perfect thing. I mean, yeah, we're clearly ready to talk about video games. Yeah, I'm ready to talk about one video game. I was put on this fucking earth to talk about video games. Shall we talk about that one that came into existence because we made a stupid joke last oh, week? Oh yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, so last week on the podcast, uh, episode what two sixty one. We uh, we were talking about Urban Champion and how it's kind of a shit game. Yeah, fucking and Urban Champion, can't stand yeah, it. Urban, and we, we got onto Urban Fucking Champions, which was, you know, both annoyance at Urban Champions, but also, what if Urban Champions but you were fucking? Yeah, it would be way better. Yeah. And it's been proven that it would be way better. Oh, God, yeah, no, it's a game you can find on itch.io right now uh, by Heptagon Arts. It is called Urban Fucking Champion, and it is a playable game where me, Jim, and Comrade throw shit out of windows uh, while you, the player, have to try and do some fucking and not get caught by the police. Yep. It's real fun! It is real fun. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's wandering from left to right, bumming people. Yeah, like, you've got a button to take your trousers off, you've got a button to to do some bumming, you've got a a button to stick your trousers back on, uh, it's not gender specific. You fuck, you fuck men. You fuck women. You fuck whoever. And everybody's everybody's into it. Everybody's having a good time, except the cops. Yeah, the cops. Right? The cops are like, this is technically illegal, and cops are buzzkills. We got to stop all the free love. Fascists not letting me bum in the street. Uh, they're they're practicing safe sex. They you know there's a bit of littering, but they use condoms every time. You know they're making sure to be safe with their multiple partners. And I gotta say, like there are actual mechanics at play in this. Like they built a game the scoring system you can like oh yeah when you are bumming someone you press the action button to thrust yeah and your your urge is to just mash that button right because you want to a you want to get to as many people as possible and two you've got you know a cop could be coming down the street at any time you want to you know knock this out but if you're a sensitive lover (laughs) who maintains a more casual rhythm 
You score more points. Yep, more points. Less points if you pump and dump. This game is educational. But occasionally you do have to pump and dump because occasionally the cops are coming and you're not finished. It's like, right... Sometimes you just gotta go. I'm done. Off we go. And then, then your partner just flies off to the side of the screen. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <ecstasy>. <laughs> uh, like I was playing this. I was thinking about that. Like you know, don't mash it. You go. You go. Go gentle. Not not overexert yourself. It reminded me of the fucking snail racing mechanic in Undertale. Mm. Of all things, I was like, it's. It's it's a it's a good fun little game for something that was made in a week. Yeah, it's pay what you want. It's uh, as Laura said, it's on itch. Um, Heptagon yeah. Arts. It's it's amazing. I think they said they cobbled it together in three days, and something it's incredible like that, yeah. that there are full on mechanics in there. It looks really uh, fun. The, the pixel art of all three of us is really lovely. Yeah. I really like your uh, your wrestling outfit. Yeah, they did one of me in mm-hmm. my Jimquisition outfit and one of my me and my Sterling outfit, and they laugh like Kafka. I'm dropping books on people. Yeah, because because I do books, so I'm dropping books on people. Because you're an accomplished writer. Uh, I think I think Conrad, you throw you throw down pizza that that heals heals the player. I think. I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It is, a, it is a fun little high score chaser. Yeah. Like, I managed to hit 28,000 points on it this morning. I had quite a good time. Lovely. I'm looking forward to the Switch port. Yeah, I want this on yeah. Switch. Yeah. But it is, it's a very <laughs> yeah, fun this game. This I want on Switch. Uh, so what else did we play this week that wasn't self-serving games about <laughs> us? <laughs> They're the only games I recognize. Um, I, I, I played more Autonauts. Yeah? I, uh, yeah, I restarted actually restarted twice because i started a game on my stream i'll tell you what just for that game we're not going to find out if it's great or perfect i want to know if it's ought or not (laughs) oh i get it because yeah that works in two ways though because it's not just a hot and not thing if you think that's too tenuous i could just say ought i to buy it or not i to buy it oh you see because i thought you were going for art or not no and yeah, well, I mean, there's just so many directions that could have gone. But yeah, so I, I restarted, and I've, I'm taking an approach that's much more disciplined this time. I'm, like, working on one thing instead of trying to work in multiple directions and getting completely mm. lost as to... Because it just... It gets so broad so quickly and requires so many then new steps to advance that I, it was unmanageable so now i have everything neatly sectioned off and i've got all these walls and and i'm drilling into like efficiencies on specific tasks before i take on new broad goals and that seems to be working out i i did immediately abandon the game that i'd set up to stream with for another one because i was like oh i'll just do this one on stream i'm never going to go back to it now because I'm so much further along on this one, so the next time I stream, I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, so it's been six days. Sorry. You missed a lot. Just be like, hey, but that last run was garbage. Forget about it. We're great now. Probably would have been fine if I'd kept going, you know, along the same lines. Probably would have looked a lot like this one, so we're just going with that. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I've been playing primarily. I keep meaning to get around to playing Titanfall 2. That's real good. Because that came in. I think that's that's free now on on one of the services. Is it PS Now or Xbox Game Pass or whatever? It's the PlayStation Plus game this month. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. Yeah. So I will probably try to get to that this week. but It's got a great campaign. That's what I'm told, yeah. That, that campaign is 
one of the most I have enjoyed a shooter campaign in a long, long time. Yeah. It's it's the most I've cared about characters in a shooter campaign. Well, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe next week I'll have thoughts on it. There we go. Nice, easy week for you. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've just been doing the same thing what I keep doing all the fucking time. I'm playing more Pokemon. I now have a full box of 30 shiny Pokemon. I'm still going. My big annoyance that I keep being frustrated by is that this game, for some reason, after God knows how many times they fucking released Pokemon games, you can't just select all and d- release a whole batch of Pokemon at once. No, that would be too Ugh. simple. That'd be far too easy. Um, I've been I've been trying to hatch, like, you know, the little fire bunny starter from the new one? Yeah. I've been trying to get shiny ones of that, and I've got two of them, so I've got its first and its middle evolution. I want its top evolution. So I'm trying to get one more. And I keep doing, like, I'll, I'll hatch, like, 300 eggs. No shiny one in there, and I'm like, I now have to manually go into each of these 300 Pokemon and go, select the Pokemon, go up twice to get to release, go up once more to get to yes, move to the next Pokemon, and do this for every fucking Pokemon. That sounds like a fun gameplay experience you're having. That sounds like literally the worst thing in the world. Here's the thing. I've been enjoying shiny hunting in this game when it's stuff on the overworld. I really like that whole mechanic of just keep doing encounters, encounter everything on the route, you're slowly building your odds up, eventually you're going to start seeing a bunch of shinies pop off at the same time because you, you built up your numbers. But because this this little rabbit thing, it's not in the overworld, it's a starter, you can only get it from an egg. This this is the first time I've really realised, like, oh, if I want to get this shiny, I a, a portion of my time is just going to be very slow box management. Yeah. One by one going, no, no, no. Which is... And it annoys me, because I've managed to avoid that so well in this game because of the fact that so many of their new mechanics are about not making you do that whole loop of, oh, this one's got the wrong nature, throw it away, breed another one. Oh, it's not got the right EVs, throw it away, breed another one. That's it, they know... They've got to know that people use the Pokemon breeding for this kind of stuff. Oh, indeed, yeah. So they got to know that boxes, like, the storage will fill up with Pokemon that people don't want. Yeah, and it just seems really silly to not have some way of mass just going, this box, just chuck those 30 out. That's that's 30 eggs that I have. Like, they know that pe- they, they're trying to minimise the amount that people have to waste time faffing around in the box. Just... Don't make me release every one of those score bunny one by one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty tried and tested RPG mechanic where you get gear that you don't want, so you flag it all as junk. We should be able yeah. to flag Pokemon as junk. <laughs> well, the, the problem is, is they're so close to having this mechanic. They have a mass select tool. You can drag a box around a whole set of Pokemon, but you then don't have the delete option. You can't, you yeah. can move. You can drag the whole box into a different box. You can move them. You can mass move them. But delete is only available if you deal with one at a time. Uh, Pokemon, yeah. So, yeah, even worse. They know they know just enough to know how convenient it is to mass select them. Yeah. I get frustrated when I talk about the Pokemon company. Yeah. Or Game Freak or whoever it is that, you know, is doing the design. It's Game Freak. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it's weird oversights. That seem arbitrary. Yeah. It would seem like it would be more effort to disable the ability to delete them than just let you have the full suite of abilities when they're mass selected. It it does seem super weird, but uh other than that, like I, I 
it, it has encouraged me to do something like when I eventually do get this shiny rabbit that I've been going for, I'm probably just going to keep a hundred or so of these these uh, starters around just for after Christmas, and I'll stick them all out on on that like random trading set system they have because I'm like that's nice. Kids kids will get kids will get that game on Christmas Day and not have all of the starters and. It'll be nice if if uh, if hundred or so people are like, oh, I got I got a new oh I got the starter what I don't have, so I, I'm probably gonna stick a keep a hold of like a hundred or so of them to trade out like just after Christmas. But I'm not enjoying going. All of my boxes are full. Let's release three hundred things one by one. Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but I I I I. Got a shiny Ditto again, and that's my favourite one in shiny because it's a blue blob instead of a pink one. So you know, I'm still having fun. Well, as long as you're still having fun, you know. I'm enjoying it as a thing to do while I do other stuff. Um, except recently, I've been watching Twin Peaks, and that has required my full attention. Um, uh, yeah, well. So yeah, we were talking about that the other week. I can't remember if you've both watched Twin Peaks: The Return. I ain't yet because I I never finished. I've got I got like half a season two to watch. Oh. That's right. No worries. Zero spoilers then, but comrades, you will know exactly where I've gotten to. Twin Peaks The Return, episode eight. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 That, that one. That's the one. That's, that's the one that I just went through. Uh, there was a moment about three or four minutes after the shit hits the fan in that episode. Mm-hmm. And I just turned to Jane and I was like, it's going to be a fucking hour of this, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was an hour of very Lynch, Lynch. <laughs> yeah, in fact, there's a there's a certain part of me that thinks that the whole a whole goal of of doing another season was just so that he could make that one hour. Oh, I I don't doubt it. It it's the most that I've looked at something and gone. This is what David Lynch wants to be making. Like he he took someone's money to make this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting episode. It's the one, you know, obviously everybody spends the most time, like, trying to unpack what everything, you know, is supposed to yeah. signify there. And, uh, and you know, it becomes important for kind of understanding plot later on. Yeah. I, you know, there, it, it explains things in as much as anything gets explained in the David Lynch. I very much yeah. feel like this is the one I'm going to have to come back to when I finish going through the return to go... Okay, what do I want to make of this now I've seen everything? I mean, my one big takeaway from that episode, and this is not a spoiler to say because it is, is I think, should be obvious by now to anyone who's looked at popular culture mm. in the last 60 years. Boy, the bomb really fucked us up. Just, like, yeah, yeah. as a people. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean... Wow. You look at every artistic movement since we developed it, and, like, everybody's trapped in it. Humans were not meant to process that level of destruction as a thing that could occur. Yeah. Like, yeah, so. it, it left its mark on a fucking generation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that's been what I've been watching recently, and that, that has been one of, like... Recently, while I've been watching stuff on telly, I've been like, oh, I'll shiny hunt while I'm doing it, but this I've been like... Nope, go give this my full, my full eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, you can't, especially at bait, you can't look away. Oh, God, no. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jim? What have you been playing? You done? Yeah, I'm done. What have you been playing? Took me headphones off. I don't want to listen to any of it. I don't want to 
even have a hint of it because I still need to go and watch get through Twin Peaks. Oh, I'm just I'm I'm proud of you for getting through like the second half of season two. Oh, the second the second half of season two is it's some work. I got to I got I can't I can't get on. Like I'm still not going to watch that Watchmen on HBO until I've read the comic and watched the film. And I know I don't need to. Don't watch the film. All right, we'll read the comic. You should read the comic before yeah, yeah you should read the comic before you watch the series because there is while it does a fair enough job of explaining the things that sh- the, the events that transpired in the comic that you need to know to understand the story, going into it with an understanding of that will make the road a whole lot right. easier. Yeah. Uh, but the movie, uh, well, the movie actually could confuse things because it changes aspects yes, of the comic yeah. that then won't line up with the All series. Right. That's fair. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did get through the second half of, of season two of Twin Peaks, and my reward was the four-hour-long cut of Firewalk with me. Mm, you watched all the missing pieces? Uh, yeah, we found a fan edit that like had all the missing pieces basically as best they could be sliced back in with music and whatnot added to make it you know, not obvious that they were cut out things. That's not ideal. That was the way I was suggested to watch it. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. I mean... I don't know. At some point when I'm done, I will have conversations with you. <laughs> yeah, when when you're done... And when you're done watching it, because this is the question that I have that I think is, is good for Jim uh, to know going in, because I firmly believe that you can stop watching Twin Peaks Season 2 at the point where they resolve the Laura Palmer mystery. Are you suggesting you don't need to know about James and his motorcycle? I am suggesting that James's little road trip may be completely unnecessary to the narrative of this. I, I, there's no maybe about it. <laughs> along with along with Wyndham Earl and, you know, a lot of the other things that happen after that. Like, it's... Maybe the next episode you need the, you need to be there long enough for Annie to be introduced. Yeah, yeah. I I think there is definitely room in the world for a cut of season two that just trims a lot of unnecessary side stories. Just pulls out James. Just pulls James out entirely. Yeah. Maybe we could find some. You know, there's got to be a place where it could be implied that James is dead. <laughs> Well, no, well, oh, no, but then he has to come no, back. No, there's a there's an easy way to do it. You basically just um just cut when he rides out of Twin Peaks for the first time, and then he's back. In, yeah, okay, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, cut right, everything yeah. between when he drives out of Twin Peaks and when that postcard goes. I've been traveling. Here's where I've been. I'm gonna make that cut for Jim. <laughs> I'm gonna do it <laughs> anyway. Jim, what are you playing? All oh, right, yeah. yeah. Um, that <laughs> about a few things. I only listed when we did the pre-show list. I only put down. Urban fucking champion and Yakuza Four. That that game that you've been trying to talk about for like I've three been weeks. About two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> um, I talk about it today because people said they were sad. Even though I haven't got that much to say, it's, it's a good game. Yakuza Three felt weaker than the other ones I've played. Yakuza Four is a noticeable step up, and I think it's the first one in the series um, from like talking about the time of release, not chronologically. In universe, but I think it was the first Yakuza game where you're not playing Kiryu, um, or rather, mm. you play other characters than Kiryu. Um, so I'm playing Akiyama, who's a a loan shark, who is a good one because he doesn't charge interest or and stuff like that. Um, 
He's a really good protagonist. I, I feel like if a lone shark's not charging interest, you got to call him like a lone dolphin or something. Yeah, that's a better term for him. He's a lone <laughs> dolphin. And instead of collateral, people have to do little tests for him to show that they are true of art and noble <laughs> of bearing. Um, and then he lends some money without any interest. And they're like, oh, thank you, my friend. Um, so that's good. Um, he, he plays differently from Kiryu. He does a lot of kicking. So it's not so much punching, more kicking. He's got a very nice, fun, fast combat style. Um, but once again, I'm just blown away by how that series takes place, mostly. There are other places as the series goes on, but mostly that one city, and not even a very big one, because it's about the quality, not square feet. What makes it so different from Shenmue is it's so cost-effective. Right. And they've achieved better results than Shenmue in terms of interest and audience. They did not need to spend that much money. Yeah, well, there's a density and richness that they apply to Yakuza that is not present in a lot of these open world games. Yeah. yeah. At, at every, every, around every corner, there's always something, and it's always something interesting. And that's, you know, like something funny or something you know, some other little story. And there's so many stories baked into that you're never at a lack for something that entertains you. You're not just going through motions. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lot of it is based on the strength of the writing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the quirky, funny stuff is genuinely funny. And the serious stuff is genuinely enthralling. Because um, the game is known for its, you know, being eccentric and offbeat and weird and humorous. But I don't think it gets enough credit for the fact that every main plot in each game is genuine, like, good mystery thriller stuff. When it's serious, it's really fucking good. And that's that's something I found, like, going all the way up to Judgment, which was released earlier this year. Mm. Um, so you can distract yourself, like, to stop it getting too morbid and dark, there's all this funny stuff. But then when it gets morbid and dark, it's like, Really quite quite gripping stuff. So yeah, I've played most of them now. And I'm not bored in that one city. Um, I think someone from Dying Light um, on the Dying Light team recently said that something similar about how it's not about the size of the map. We don't... The future of open world shouldn't be in bigger maps, but better maps. And I completely agree Mm -hmm. with that. And Kamurocho in Yakuza is a perfect example of that. It is not big. Mm. You can walk from one side of that map to the other in like a minute or two, if that. Yeah, if that. But like Conrad said, it is so densely packed with content. Yeah. You won't make it from one side of the map to the other without something catching your eye. Yeah. Yeah, there will be something to interrupt you, whether it's a street fight uh, of, of many different varieties or a shop you didn't notice or a, you know, a new event, you'll be interrupted. That's the other thing. It does a lot of this stuff with no warning that it's coming. You're just walking along and all of a sudden you're approached by somebody or there's someone with an icon over your head, over their head that doesn't appear on your minimap. And you're like, oh, what's that? And now you're embroiled in some other storyline or activity that's just brought to you. Mm. It's really organic in that way. You're suddenly trying to take a photo of a lingerie thief who is wearing just underpants with a girl's panties over his head like a mask (laughs) and then he falls from the building that he's hopping on like spider-man with all these 
panties and bras floating around him in slow motion while really emotional music plays and then he just lands on the floor dead, presumably, as in a moment of pathos, a bra floats down and covers his head like a funeral shroud. It's fucking brilliant. And then it goes right back into, you know, a, a deep murder plot that manages somehow to not feel like a whiplash. That's one thing I've always been impressed with, is it makes perfect sense that the the panty thief Spider-Man and the grisly murder feel cohesive within that world. That it's never jarring. Yeah. Um, I think it's just because there's that overall layer of familiarity and eccentricity in Yakuza's world that it all just makes perfect sense. It's It's a real testament if you can get a game to... Pull both of those off without either of them feeling like an afterthought. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I can think of games that have tried to do one side of that or the other. Like, you could look at things like, say, the Saints Row games at times try and be the sort of sillier side of that, and you've got more sort of serious, trying to be emotional, big open world games. But yeah. this is really the only one that, that balances the two that well. Well, I've got a perfect example of that because I've been playing Saints Row 2 as well. Because mm. I do my Twitch streaming now and I found myself getting really into it. And I beat Sleeping Dogs on stream the other day. Like, I think over the weekend or just after the weekend. Um, still a very fine game in its own right. The chase sequences in Sleeping Dogs are still some of the best chase sequences ever. Um, better than something you'd find in like Assassin's Creed... Um, better than some of the ones that Yakuza have done. Um, they're just great. The chase sequences are, are terrific in Sleeping Dogs. But I moved on to Saints Row 2, and that that is Mood Whiplash. Like, I love Saints Row 2. Thematically and narratively, it's my favourite one, because you are just playing a completely irredeemable piece of shit whose idea of retribution cannot be done justice by the word disproportionate. I got to the mission last night where, because... The protagonist was slighted a bit. Not attacked, not beaten, slighted. Their answer was to steal nuclear waste, mix it with tattoo ink, and sneak it into the gang's hideout so that when that person who slighted the protagonist gets tattooed on his face, he gets toxic waste tattooed into it as well and it burns his face and he screams that was over a slight and then straight after they get their revenge by like killing someone in the saints row gang and that is played so fucking seriously and darkly like it's brutal and the protagonist is talking like oh i'm gonna get my revenge on them for this and i'm like am i supposed to feel sorry for you <laughs> and at no point do you feel sorry for the boss the saints row boss because they are such a scummy piece of shit but i like how unforgivingly irredeemable the character you're playing is and was a little disappointed that in saints row 3 and 4 they try and redeem them but if you played saints row 2 you know nothing they could do in that no matter how much they soften them up could make up for some of the sick shit done in saints row 2 um, a lot of it played for laughs. Like it's, it's that TV trope thing of refuge in audacity, where it's just so over the top, brutal and nasty that you, it's hard to be offended by it. You you get very quickly desensitise yourself to what's going on because it's yeah. like, oh, this is so absurd. I'm not supposed to emotionally engage with 
everything that's happening. Yeah, but there is some there is some tonal whiplash when it then tries to be serious, and it just it's a little bit weird. But Saints Row Two, I it's dated now, obviously. Um, it's not too densely populated as far as like NPCs go. The textures are flat. It's kind of washed out color wise, and the gameplay is more simplistic. But I'm still enjoying it a lot, and it's been interesting going back after all these years and being reminded just how fucked up the main character is. The only thing I can think of that's comparable is Kane and Lynch, um, which is similar in tone, but obviously way more serious than comedic, but also puts you in the role of just scum. There is nothing relatable or nice or humanising about the characters of Kane and Lynch. You are just playing pieces of shit in a piece of shit world. And I find that really compelling. Because you get other games that like claim to put you in the role of a villain. Like the Overlord series. Which I still oh. I love Overlord. But it consistently mm. puts you against worse things. And doesn't give you much of an opportunity to do anything villainous. Yeah. So it's more like you're a a slightly amoral character going up against genuinely bad people. Yeah. I've I've always liked when a game can really handle that feeling of I'm doing something really shitty and I'm having to make a choice to do that. Um, I know I brought it up earlier, but Un- Undertale, I still think, does a really good job of that with its uh, genocide route. There's a couple of boss fights in that that do a really good job of going... No, you're being a fucking monster and people are having to stand up to you because you are the worst. Yeah, I mean, you have to really go out of your way in Undertale to do that. And I I find it interesting they make it as boring as possible in that game. It's not a thing you accidentally do. You you have to actively choose, "I I want to be a monster. Yeah. I think a lot of games, I feel, maybe shy away from it because they don't want to be seen as encouraging people to be pieces of shit so it, it really is remarkable to me when a game like Kane and Lynch or Saints Row 2 happen and I'm I just find it very interesting mm. because you know there are stories out in other media about completely irredeemable characters and it's not like but the difference is is you're playing as those characters in the video game which can look like endorsement we've we've had a history of things like Manhunt is the example that jumps to mind of mm. Mm, wider media going oh but you're letting people control the evil actions they're gonna do the evil actions too yeah that's what makes it hard i mean i'm sure that's why the wii version's gonna have you stab people yeah you're gonna have to do a shanking (laughs) motion i'm sure that's why a lot of game companies when they yeah have like morally gray or, or bad characters as protagonists they make sure that morally they put you against way worse people so it softens you and you don't get many opportunities to be like you know it's not like i want to run around fallout stabbing kids like some people want to do um Hmm. but i just find i i I always am more darkly fascinated by certain games like kane and lynch it's just a shame that kane and lynch was shit and the sequel was even worse um but thematically, I find those types of games very interesting. And Saints Row 2 is just so audacious with it that it's you can't take it seriously enough to be genuinely worried or, or um, afraid or offended by it. But it is... Yeah. The, the level of retribution. I mean, 
The toxic waste in the tattoo ink is one of the tamer things that gets done. God. It's an amazing game. Like, it is... Gameplay-wise, as I say, it's quite dated now, but in terms of content, I don't know if there's been a game quite like it. Let's say Kane and Lynch is the closest idea I can get thematically, but in terms of what your protagonist does, two characters... They isn't just like playing a Punisher game where you do brutal things, or Sleeping Dogs where in-game you can throw people onto, like, swordfish spikes and burn their faces on ovens and do other brutal stuff. This is genuinely macabre stuff that the character is doing to people that are assholes but really don't deserve what's happening to them. Yeah. Brilliant. Kind of brilliant. Uh, what, else, what else have you been playing recently? Because you said you've been playing a couple of things couple that weren't things. on the uh, the docket. Those were the main ones, Yakuza and yeah. Saints Row 2 and Sleeping Dogs. Um, Sleeping Dogs is still... like it's, it's not the oldest game in the world, but it's still aged really well. Yeah. And you pick up the definitive edition or what have you, and it, it still plays really nice. That That is a game that was really quite solid that, like, I feel like a lot of people just sort of forget existed. Well, yeah, I mean, it didn't sell all that great is the the great yeah. tragedy of it. And, you know, every now and then there's talk of maybe a sequel, but it doesn't look all that likely. Um, but the combat in that was so good. Like, they took the Arkham stuff. They basically took s- stuff that you could see in, a, like, a Yakuza and stuff you'd find in the, the Arkham games. So you've got the Arkham-style... Uh, counter system Mm. where you know punch someone up and then press the counter button when an enemy is telegraphing their attack but then they add things like the heat actions in yakuza but make them way faster and in some ways way more brutal where you grab someone and then you can run with them up to various objects in the environment like a dumpster you can run up with a grab an enemy run towards the dumpster and you'll throw them in and then it gets like into some really weird shit. Like there's an air vent fan. Just grab someone's head and just smash it in. Or oh. grind their face on a circular <laughs> saw. And I'm like, you're an undercover cop and you're doing this. Um, it has a little, I guess, what you could call dissonance. Ludonarrative dissonance in that regard. But it, it's hard to worry about it when you grab someone and throw them into a massive wall-sized fish tank <laughs> in a nightclub. And then all the fish spill out. And of course, you can grab a fish and start slapping people <laughs> with it. Um, oh, that's foul. and they they do it. You know, it, it's not a comedy game like Saints Row. It comes off more like John Wick. It makes me feel like I know that Mike Biffle's done that strategy game, but I feel like if you wanted to do a, a like a full on action game, get the Sleeping Dogs team to do a John Wick game because they will nail it. Oh, that would be very good, wouldn't it? Just oh. Uh... So, we had a few bits of news and stuff this week, because Jeff Keighley's Jeff Keighley Awards happened. Oh yeah, the game adverts happened. Oh, yeah. The game adverts happened. Not many game reveals in terms of massive like headline no. grabbers, except for the Xbox thing. No, but... Well, but? 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 Microsoft's like, doing the console reveal... That's a thing. Okay, I will say I didn't expect them to do it there. That you know, that's that is a move to say fuck you. We don't really need E3 anymore. Yeah. I I want to talk about the name. Because mm. you've got you've got Nintendo. They've got quite a clear name for their console right now. It's the Switch. It's the console that switches between the telly and the handheld. 
Sony have got the PlayStation 5 coming. It's the fifth of the the PlayStation boxes. What we got announced at the at the the game adverts was the Xbox Series X. Yeah. Which is not the only new generation Xbox console. It is one of the next generation Xbox consoles which will just be called Xbox. They're setting themselves up for a problem. It's it's not helping them. The, like, I, I've, I've been chatting with people about this on Twitter this week. I'm like, I don't doubt that core gaming people will work out which one is the one that they want. If a parent, you know, goes in, they'll probably know, okay, this one that is the more expensive one that the person at the till says came out more recently, that's probably the one. But it's, they're not doing themselves any favours having no. an Xbox, an Xbox One... Then a new thing called an Xbox, which isn't the Xbox or the Xbox One. Yeah, the, the Xbox One X. Yeah, the Xbox One X, the Xbox Series X. And then the original Xbox. Yeah, they're not doing themselves any favours by no. having three things that are called the Xbox or Xbox One or original yeah. Xbox or Xbox and two things that are called the Xbox something X. If I'm a, if I'm a, like a mainstream customer who's not closing, I see the Xbox mm. Series X... And I think that's an iteration. I think that's just yeah. another Xbox One X or something. Well, that's that's the thing, is Microsoft's biggest issue, I think, with this naming convention is, at a glance, if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, this doesn't tell you... No. This is a brand new console that if you want to play the new Halo, you're going to need this new box. It they've, they've really muddled up their naming convention, so it's really tough to tell at a glance... What's a new console and what's an iteration on an existing console? What's a thing you need and what's a thing that will just give you better graphics but isn't necessary? This naming convention reminds me of the Wii U. Mm. And if you want your hardware to perform well, you do not want to remind, like, make people think of the Wii U when they think of you. To be clear, I don't think that this is as big of a problem as the Wii U, because at least here... They showed off a box rather than hiding the box under a telly. They yeah. did make it clear it's a new box and not just a control. Like they're not in as bad a position as the Wii U, but like you don't want to be drawing comparisons to the Wii U yeah. at all. It's it in terms of naming, they are making a similar mistake that the Wii U made. Yeah, I think that's an overthink Maybe. a little bit. I think that's just us being so you know more observant of it. I don't think that's that's really going to be an issue. What I see here is them kind of doing a BMW thing. Yeah. Like, we are the platform for console games. We are, you know, the prestige. These are our various lines. That's how I see them going. I don't, uh, you know, disagree that it is confusing as fuck. Yeah. It is, it's something that I think they are internally going like, all right, so we're going to set this up now. And in one generation from now, it won't matter how confusing this was, because now we'll just be able to follow along this course. Of course, somewhere along the way in there, they're going to decide, oh, this didn't work as well yeah. as we thought, and they're going to completely change the convention again, and we're going to be right back in the same spot. I've seen people make comparisons to both the like the car naming conventions and the phone naming conventions, mm -hmm. but the thing that stands out to me in those comparisons is... Neither of those situations are you really having this situation of old software isn't going to work unless you get the new thing. Like, you don't have to worry, will my software work in my new car? Yeah. And getting a new phone, getting a new phone is a simpler 
thing. Yes. When you want to upgrade your phone, you walk into a phone shop and say, give me a better one. Yeah. And then they give you a better one. And a lot of those phones are numbered anyway as well. And they're so well promoted that you always know when a new phone's coming. But even then, phones are generally iterative steps forward rather than leaps that will make... Because, you know, eventually your old phone won't get new apps, but it's not such a stark cut-off. Right, but they're trying to... They seem to be trying to work towards that iterative system. I mean, we saw earlier mm. this year or earlier this generation where we went from your, you know, PS4 to your PS4 Pro, mm. your Xbox One to your Xbox One X. Yeah. So I think that they're trying to be more iterative. And, and I don't know if from their point of view, like it's more cost effective yeah. for them to do, you know, shorter development cycles and more frequent product releases. But I think that that might be the direction they're taking it with this. I mean, it's a big risk if, they, if they're doing that because, you know, people have phone plans that cover a lot of their, like, phone upgrades and stuff. Mm. And as Laura said, like, even if you've got an older phone, it still does what you need it to do and still works with a lot of the... Right. But, but... Say, but Microsoft did roll out a they, plan. They did, yeah. Recently, for that upgrade system to the next version, yeah. you know, you buy your console, you make your payments on it when the new one comes out. I don't know. I think that all sort of fits together. So I, I, I can see the thinking, but I think the one hole in that is the fact that Sony are calling their next console the PlayStation Five means that to a certain degree, they still still see, at least on a software yep. development point, they still intend to have actual leaps beyond the iterative steps. Yeah. And that means third-party software is going to play to being workable on the lowest common denominator. Sure, it will be. But yeah. at the same time, they, they may be able to offer individual features or you know the, the thing that gives microsoft an advantage at all times is that they can say well you're gonna, you have access to the best version on a console yeah through us yeah quite possibly um i just think one major difference is we've all got phones they're very important and they have multiple functions a console is a different beast entirely in terms of how people use it the functionality it has i'm I will be surprised if if this idea of iterative yeah. consoles throughout a generation works. I'm not sure how many people are going to spend 500 bucks to constantly get the newest version of the Xbox, especially when a PlayStation 5 is right there and it's very clearly communicated what it is. Yeah. What one one thing I will say is regardless of the I I think you might be right in that this is what Microsoft is trying to go for. It doesn't change the fact that, at a glance, it's easier to tell what's the new PlayStation versus yeah. what's the new Xbox. In terms of branding. Uh, absolutely. 100%. Undeniably, Sony have totally branded themselves better. Um, I've been thinking about this, trying to be like, if, if I was at Microsoft and I had to name this box, because obviously people have pointed out, if you number your Xboxes by how many there have been, you came out after the PlayStation, you've got a lower number, it looks worse. Switch to the sports game model. Go, here's the Xbox 20. It's releasing in 2020. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. That way, your numbers are above um, above PlayStation numbers. You look sort of more modern and ahead of things. But you also have a really clear way of people telling, 
this is the modern new one for this year. I think they should go with slasher movie naming conventions. I want to see Xbox, The New Blood, (laughs) Xbox Takes Manhattan, Xbox Goes to Hell, The Final Chapter, and then just Xbox with a date behind it for the Michael Bay remake of it. (laughs) I think that's what they should go. And the PS4 can take the Freddy ones, as we can have... P.S. PlayStation the Dream Warriors. <laughs> so here's here's another uh, point that I'll I'll just point out in regards to what what I think they're doing, and this is not like new. It shouldn't be a surprise because hmm. Microsoft has always sort of said that this was the goal for the Xbox line. But the box that they've designed, the case you know that they have for this, it yeah, square tower. Oh, yeah, it looks like a PC tower. It doesn't just look like a PC tower, though. It also looks like a at-home wireless connected device. Yeah. It looks like a sleek, you know, very techno version of that. But it it looks like your Alexa, your Google Home, your those sorts of things. That's what I think they want to be. I, I will give you that their new box design looks infinitely easier to put in a home and not feel like a giant child than those photos we've seen of the PS5 dev kits where it's shaped like a letter V with fans all over it. Oh, well, I mean, and that's, there's no way that's oh, going to be know, the I know, but like, for that, I know, I know, but like, I like to laugh in my head putting the two next to each other and going, yeah, yeah. I want my PS5 to look like a Furby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be interested to see what they announce for holiday 2021, mm, I guess. Yeah, that, that'll that be what tells us, like, what the future beyond this box. But uh, we did we did get to see one game for the next Xbox. It's a Hellblade sequel. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Hellblade needed a sequel, but I, I very much like the work that... Uh, that uh, Ninja Team... Uh, Ninja Theory, is Ninja it? Ninja Theory, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I keep trying to say Team Ninja, and I'm like, no, it's not that one. Um, they do very different games. <laughs> I I like the work that, that that Ninja Theory do, and I'm excited to see more of that world. I'm excited to see what... Because the, they made something gorgeous on a double-A budget. I'm excited to see what they can do with Microsoft money behind them. Yeah, I mean, it's... Like you said, it's not a game that needed a sequel i'm surprised that a game with that tone and narrative gets a sequel Mm. i'm not necessarily against it i'm i'm curious because of how self-contained the first one felt i'm very curious to see what the sequel will be like what what the setup and conceit is yeah so i'm yeah i'm all for giving it a go i like uh i like ninja theory i've always been fond of their games yeah uh, we got a CGI trailer for a PS5 game. Uh, what was it called? Godfall. It's Gearbox Publishing. It's sort of melee science fiction night. Oh god, they called it a looter slasher. Yeah, it's basic. It sounds like they want it to be Borderlands, but what if you were wearing suits of armor and had swords? Yeah, eh. fun. I mean, it looks yeah, like the the premise sounds good, but don't call it. A, you don't have to call it a looter slasher Gearbox. You have the power to not say that. You weren't forced at gunpoint to do that. <laughs> Besides which, like by the time the PS5 is out, the looter shooter craze will have been long gone. Yeah. I would be surprised if they bring in up looter slasher by 2021. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, the trend could still be around, but these trends have been coming and going so quick. Uh, in terms of trailers that I quite enjoyed, even though they fucking showed nothing of the game, 
I quite enjoyed the not the one that was shown during the the game adverts, but the the extended one you could go see afterwards. There's a five and a half minute long like tone setting narrative trailer for No More Heroes Three, and I kind of like it set up. Uh, long story short, some kid makes with, makes friends with an alien and helps the alien get back to his home planet, and the alien comes back and goes. Hey, I've been in alien prison. I'm a bit fucked up. Here's all my prison friends that I broke out. We're going to fuck up Earth. And they show you a big selection of aliens with really cool neon designs and probably they're going to be all the boss fights. I'm like, "Yeah, you've got you've got a bunch of cool designs. I I'm up for this." Alrighty. Still no gameplay, but it look it looked cool. Good, good. I'm I'm glad that fans are getting the you know, and you know more heroes. I'm happy for that. After mm, the one this year was a bit. Oh, uh, that one was yeah, very disappointing, very tepid. What did you think of the award show? Um, the same thing I think every year. See, I didn't. Not the worst it's ever been. No, 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 no. I think, I think it's refined itself now to a point. I will say that it still had far too many performances from musical acts who were nothing to do with video games and adverts for films. Oh no 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 you're you're mis- you're misunderstanding. You're not you're not it is it is now it reached its final form as something uh, of an event show with a mainstream yeah, appeal yeah. that runs smoothly without major noticeable errors. As far as I'm concerned it's the death of the game awards. Yeah. Like, yeah. I left feeling empty inside. I, I I didn't see anyone dressed as a giant razor telling me being the Hydrobot. Yeah. No, they tried to class up their sponsorships this year. They had the Samsung OLED TVs, and then they had inspiring stories attached to them to make it look nice and classed up. Very, yeah, far less shameless this year. Yeah. Um, and I agree with what you said, Conrad, on Twitter about how they've polished it up, and it looks very sleek. And slick now. It does. Yeah. My my thought about it looking more polished and together is if I want a gaming award show live stream that feels like something, you know, that's not tacky, I'll probably watch the gaming BAFTAs. Yeah. Like yeah. there sure. are better options for I want a serious awards show for games. The game awards kind of are where I go for a weird tacky time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know the the show's just doesn't is I'm, it doesn't feel like it's for me anymore, and that's weird because it never really felt like it was speaking to me. But it's not even for me in an an ironic sense now. Yeah, there's not a lot of material that you can get off it. I do think, um, I mean, it's as shallow as ever, and I take it about as seriously as I do the WWE Hall of Fame, mm. which is something I've said a few times now. It doesn't mean anything. I find it amusing when people talk about what games won awards as if that's the truth now like it's not it's what a bunch of like like what a bunch of game journalists thought when they were asked to write on a card what game do you like um it doesn't mean too much it's not worth taking too seriously and and having been connected to the voting in past years like i have i have had uh, the ability to put votes in for the game awards in past years it's not a case of like all the games journalists come together and debate the things and agree on an answer of what's going to win. We all in isolation go, well, here's what I liked. And then an aggregate of the yeah. industry goes, well, this got the most points overall, I guess. It's basically Metacritic with a stage. But then again, people take Metacritic way too seriously as well. I will say this. 
it was very dodgy that at no point, even though he's reminded us in previous years, yeah. it was very dodgy that Jeff Keighley did not remind us that he's really good friends with Hideo Kojima and is in the game. He's in Death Stranding. Yeah, here's the thing. Objectively, I know that Jeff Keighley is not involved in the scoring process for what games receive awards. Like, I've been a part of that process. I know that, like, it's... N- on paper, I know it's not iffy. That didn't change the fact that when I saw Death Stranding win an award, like, toward the end of the night, I just... I had a weird, unsettled feeling of just... This feels wrong. Like, it's just a little bit... It's a little bit dodgy. It's not enough for me to get up in arms and yell about ethics in the Game Awards. It's not a place I would ever go to for the height of integrity anyway. But it it was a bit shady, just a bit dodgy. Something feels a bit underhand and it feels weird that we're not addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah, especially when the very first thing the the awards start up with is a giant instrumental homage to Death Stranding. The whole thing's just a little that that's Yeah. That Everything involving Death Stranding at those awards felt tacky, whether there was impropriety or not. However, not everything felt tacky. Not everything. I will say I was very glad to see the Disco Elysium team get recognition. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, I just meant everything involving Death Stranding was tacky. Sure. Okay. I also want to specifically thank them for thanking Marx and Engels for their political education. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, that was fucking brilliant. Bless you. Some of the people yeah. freaking the fuck out about that as oh, well was delicious. Yeah. Can I say, one one game that I was really happy to see get a nod was Kind Words, which is that one I talked about a few months ago. I can't remember if it was before Comrade was on here. This is the one about writing letters. Writing yeah. letters to just anonymous letters to, you know, make people feel better when they're having worries. Um, I... Don't, I jumped back into there the other day just to go, how how that community doing still? It's still really positive and just full of people supporting each other and That's being nice. really lovely. So I'm glad to see that get a bit of a nod because I am, I am amazed that that community hasn't imploded. Well, now the Game Awards audience has seen it. So. Well, the Game Awards audience has seen it and already forgotten about it, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, it did. it's not like it won an award. If it had won something, they might have gone, oh, we got to check this out. But it did not win, so therefore it is only great and not perfect. Yeah. Um, I, I, I liked seeing A Plague Tale get a nomination. I wanted to see A Plague Tale win something because it's probably my favourite game of this year. Yeah. But the categories it was in, it got beat out by Disco Elysium. And yeah. I, so I can't really argue. I, 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 Sayonara Wild Hearts got, got nominated for soundtrack and got beaten out by Death Stranding. And there's that little bit of me that was salty, like... It's fucking Death Stranding, isn't it? Mmm, Keely. Mmm, beating out my game I want. <laughs> Should it even get... Like, how would you define best soundtrack? Like, I would define it more by music written for the game, not not in uh, modern techno folk music. Yeah, we bought some licensed music that people like. Yeah, it was most judicious purchases of MP3s <laughs> goes to Death Stranding. Uh the only other advert from the from the Game Awards I wanted to mention, because I feel like it's worth discussing, is Telltale's The Wolf Among Us 2. Because Telltale don't exist anymore. Yeah. Mm. This is like all those modern games that came from Atari. It's like the name, yeah. is, the name is doing it. And is that... I mean, is that a... 
is that a name that's, that has value after what has happened and what we know about it? He, here's what I'll say. The Wolf Among Us was widely considered one of the better Telltale games and one of the ones people were asking for a sequel to. I think that there is something slightly shady about calling it Telltale's The Wolf Among Us 2, and it's like... None of the people that made that first one are there. This is not... Yeah. This is someone bought the rights to make a sequel. I mean, bringing up Telltale in yeah. the title is... It keeps in tradition of the naming convention of the others. Yeah. But I have a feeling this one will be under, at least in terms of, like, criticism, like game reviews and stuff, from people who know the backstory and the history. Yeah. This should probably come under some very tight critical scrutiny. Yeah. I have a feeling some people will be a lot more sceptical about this one. It would be very interesting to see how different or how similar it is to the previous one and, and other Telltale games. Yeah. Well, and it's not as though, like, I just, I guess I don't get it because none of the games ever performed well commercially except for that first Walking Dead season. Well, I mean, that was one of the issues. The, they, they, they took so many licenses and not all of them were hits. I mean, I, I don't think, like, their Game of Thrones was bad. I don't think that did very mm. well. Yeah, I... The Walking Dead is the only one that really got a massive amount of traction, I think. And even then, you know, based on, on what I've read, it seems like none of those games past the first season, you know, came back as winners. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of this is, let's ride on a name and cheaply put something out that that the name says it's a sequel to the thing that was critically well received, even if it didn't sell well. If we fart a sequel out, will it sell enough to recoup yeah. farting it out? I'd, well, I'd be interested to know how many, how how well one of those games have to do. Because mm. not that it, you know, isn't costly to make any game, but they've got that formula. That Telltale formula is so refined that a lot of elements feel like they could be plugged into it. Well, I think that's what they were doing. Though. Well, I mean, I know it's what they were doing, but also that whole company was managed like shit um so whether better management can make these games and not need them to sell all that well i'll be interested to see hmm. yeah that was everything out of the game awards that i thought was of note did we have anything else we wanted to talk about i'm good i've not been on good form at all with this i'm i'm weird and sleepy this week and i want to go get some bread that's all right i've been weird and sleepy today as well uh bread sounds really good as it happens i might go have some bread as well can't believe i made that odd or not joke earlier that's how off the ball i am <laughs> it's only just hit me that that was bad comedy <laughs> uh should we head off then yeah, head off go, yeah. go for my bread run yum yum um laura where can people see your things please me Laura K. Buzz, all the places, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. Laura K. Buzz on Patreon, if you can afford to chuck a dollar a month or more, that'd super help me to keep doing this as a job. Um, other than that, laurakbuzz.com, that is where everything goes, be it written articles, videos, podcasts, the such. You can find me on some, some other podcasts. Uh, Pixel Square, it's a video game porn review show. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, me and my fiancé talk about things that are not video games. And Dice Funk is a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, and 6. You can find those wherever... You can find those on podcast places. Comrades on it, too. 
There we go. Uh, I am. I really it. bumbled my way through that. Oh, we're all having a day, I think. Yeah. yeah. So t- 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 tell us about you, Conrad. Yeah. So yeah, you can hear me on Dice Funk with with Laura. That's a true thing. That is true. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can buy anti-establishment accessories in the form of button-on pins at uh, pinfultruth.com, P-I-N-F-U-L-T-R-U-T-H.com. You can also hear me read books to you uh, much more coherently than I'm now expressing this. Uh, You can get those at conradreads.com. Get my Communist Manifesto for a dollar. Uh, what else? Uh, you can hear me on other podcasts. You can hear me on Of Horse, a BoJack Horseman fan cast, where I talk about the BoJack Horseman program on the Netflix. You can hear me on the spinoff Doctors on this very same feed with Jim talking about video game-based movies, which we need to record one this yeah. week, and we'll sort that out. And you can hear me on Boston's Favorite Son, also with Jim, where we try to make our good friend Jonathan Off-Road Rules a famous person, as he rightfully should be. And Jim has a Patreon, I think. I think. Oh, oh, before I forget, I've been streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. You could find me there. And Jim has a Twitch and a Patreon. Yep. I have a Twitch's Jimquisition. Actually, both of them, Jimquisition. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Twitch.tv slash Jimquisition. Then you'll find it. Yeah, you can support stuff on Patreon. If you want, it helps me pay people for do things, um, fund the show, um, allows me to live and pay bills, which is always nice. Um, Patreon's doing quite well. I finally decided to put end cards at the end of the Jimquisition. It is amazing what a difference that makes to everything. And just trying to do a bit more promotion. It's all helped. So trying to be less shameless about it. But you don't have to do the Patreon if you don't want. We don't hide any content or anything. But, you know, it just helps keep all this stuff going. Um, And that's it. That's it, really. Uh, We'll see you next time. And get me some lovely bready bread. Bye. Bye. Bye.